0: He was just a little lad, and on the week's first day, was wandering home from Sunday school and dawdled on the way. He scoffed his shoes into the grass and found a caterpillar. He found a fluffy milkweed pot and blew out all the filler. A bird's nest in a tree or or head, so wisely placed and high, was just another wonder which caught his eager eye. A neighbor watched him zig- his zigzag course and hailed him from the lawn and asked him where he'd been that day and what was going on. Well, I've been to Sunday school, he carefully turned aside, and found a snail beneath it. I've learned a lot about God. Hmm, a very fine way, the neighbor said, for a boy to spend his time. If you'll tell me where God is, I'll give you a brand new dime. Quick as a flash, his answer came, nor were his accents faint. I'll give you a dollar, mister, if you can tell me where God ain't. When you look around at all the things that God has created for us, we realize the power of God. In Psalm 19, and verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And so when we look out in nature and we see a beautiful sunset or we see a mountain or we see a stream, whatever it is that may uh, catch your attention, remember that's just the handiwork of God. Imagine how powerful He really is and how great and awesome of a God that He is for us. And so it's very important for us to realize that God created all of these things for us. And it's there for us to realize that He exists. That little boy had the right answer and the right attitude when he said what he said. Because everywhere you look, you can see God. I said it's very hard for me to, to even understand the evolutionist or the person that thinks that this all just happened. I, I said it takes more faith to, be, to, to believe that it just happened than it does to believe that God designed it and created it. God is the giver of life. And we need to understand that. And I believe that it's interesting to know that the book of Genesis starts out with the same answer that this little boy had. That in the beginning, God. Notice that in Genesis chapter 1, it doesn't start out with, in the beginning, in a far, far away place. It doesn't start off with Adam and Eve walking in the garden. It doesn't be, say, in the beginning, when the sun and solar system existed. Or, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. It says, in the beginning, God. For years, scoffers have criticized the Bible for being geocentric. In other words, centered around the earth. That God created the earth and then built the sun, moon, and stars around it. It gave the impression to some that everything evolved around our planet. So it was geocentric. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible isn't geocentric. The Bible is theocentric. God-centered. Everything in the Scripture begins and ends with God. And so we need to understand the power of God and what this world was designed for. Why God created it. It centers around Him. Listen to what some of the passages of Scripture say in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10-12. through 12, It says, And Thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of Thy hands. They shall perish, but Thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shall Thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But Thou art the same, and Thy years shall not fail." What is he telling us? In the beginning was God. God created all of these things. And God created this universe. And from the very beginning of the creation, he realized that it wasn't going to last forever. He created it so it could be folded up and destroyed and done away with. Heaven is where we hope to be, heaven is our goal. But it's God who created all of these things, and he tells us that it's going to wear out. I've heard scientists that have written and said and, and 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 made statements to the effect that the earth is winding down. Should that surprise us? It shouldn't surprise us at all. Why? Because we know from the beginning that was God's plan. But yet people don't want to accept what God's word says. And it tells us that these things shall perish. We know the world's going to end. Jesus tells us that the world is going to end. We see it by the apostles. They tell us that it, 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 it is going to end. And it's going to be burned up. The earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So it's going to be destroyed. So don't be surprised when that happens. It may happen in our lifetime. It may not happen in our lifetime. But the fact of the matter is, God created it, and God can destroy it. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we can see also that everything in Scripture centers around God. In John chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. When we talk about God in Genesis chapter 1, We're talking about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We can see that all of those different deities were there, that they all existed. In fact, it was God who said, let us make man in our image. Who's He talking about? He's talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when He made us, when He made human beings, we were made different than the rest of the creation. We have a soul. He breathed into us and we became a living being. We have a soul, and that soul is going to live forever. And it's either going to be in heaven or it's going to be in hell. Those are the only two choices that we have. And so we need to center our lives around God. And that's the point of the Scripture. When we see that in the beginning, God is showing us that He is the sinner. And when we talk about the sinner, we're talking about the Godhead. We can look over in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15-17. through Talking about Jesus, it said, "...who in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him, for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist." Think about that. Again, the point is... God is the center and all of these things that we have. All of our societies, all of our government, all of those things were created by God. And so everything in Scripture is built not around the earth, not around man as some would like for us to think, but around God. Now why is that? Well, that's a good question. Why is everything centered around God? Why does Scripture emphasize this from the very beginning of God's book? Because God knows that what we focus on in our lives, what we allow our minds to focus upon, influences how we think. And the Bible wants us to focus on God. I've had people that were down, depressed, talk to them. I say, Count your blessings. Sit down and write down all the good things that's happening in your life. And many times they have trouble doing that. They have trouble coming up with a number of things that they've done. You may say, I may say, write off 10 things that you've done. They have trouble with that. Now, if I said, write down everything that's bad in your life, everything that's gone wrong, the problems that you have, they could write a book. Now, why is that? Because they're focusing on the negative things that are happening in their lives, and they forget about the good things that are happening in their lives. And that's why we have passages of Scripture, like Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, that tells us the good things that we should think about. Don't think about all the evil. Don't think about the bad. And you say, well, what do these people know? What are the, you know? These people in the Bible, they don't live my life. Think about it. Have you ever been put in jail? Have you ever been beaten? Have you ever been shipwrecked? Have you ever had all the things that Paul talked about happening in his life? And you see some of those things happening in the other apostles' life. Some died by the sword. Some were persecuted. They have problems too, but guess what? They write things like, think on the good things, don't dwell on the negatives. Why? Because we need to stay focused on God and His righteousness. And so it's difficult when we have our affections and our minds in the wrong places. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 tells us to set our affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Why? As a Christian, we should be thinking about heaven, what we need to do, how we need to live, what God expects out of us, so that we can make heaven our home. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think you're a loser, you're going to be a loser. If you think you're a bum, a scoundrel, then that's what you're going to be. We have to think about what God says we can become. Remember, we're made in the image of God. That should give us all hope. And even with all the chaos and all the problems that's taking place in our society today, we still need to remember and be reminded that God is in control. And we need to trust Him. Consider what happens when people focus on the things of the earth first. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Isn't that interesting the way that talks, the way it says? Many people view the world as being just like that. Without form, void, and filled with darkness. That's what happens to people when they start by not putting God first. That's what happens when people stop looking to God. Their view of life Or they view life as being empty, formless, and filled with darkness. They end up seeing the world as depressing and ultimately hopeless. That's our world today. There's a lot of people out there in this world that seem hopeless, they think there's no hope. The gospel is a hope. God's given us a way of hope. He tells us what to think about. What to dwell on. What to meditate on. And when we talk about sin, we can look at people and we can say, well, sin looks like it's a pleasure. It looks like fun. The Bible says, you know what Moses said, he'd rather suffer the afflictions with his people than, suffer, or than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The devil makes sin look good. And some of your friends, some of the people you may know, they may make it sound good. Like it's fun. And I'm sure it is in some cases. But the damage that it does to your relationship with God, the damage that it does to your soul, is not worth the price. And that's what Moses realized. That it would be better to suffer the shame with his people, the afflictions that they had, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. How many of us have come to that realization? Well, we know there's some bad sins out there that, yeah, we don't want to be a part of those. But what other sins do we allow in our lives that should not be there? Because we're focusing on the wrong thing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's our treasure? Is our treasure laid up in heaven? And think about what He says there. He's really saying something that was stated all the way back in the beginning that our lives, the world is centered around God. and as we've seen there in Hebrews we see that when it was created, it was all going to be dissolved. And what does Jesus say in this point at this point? In Matthew chapter 6, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. Those things can be eaten away, they can destroy, they can rot, they can disappear, and where thieves can break through and steal. But lay your treasures up in heaven. Where there is no corruption. Where there is no destruction. Where there is no one that can come in and steal it away. Because it's in a safe place with God. So Jesus is telling us think about the good things, lay up up treasures in heaven. Don't be so concerned about earth. Yeah, I know we all need money. I know we all need things to survive. We probably don't need as much to survive as we think that we do. But where's your treasure? Matthew chapter six, twenty-two through twenty-three. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness. How great is that darkness? What's Jesus saying? He's saying don't keep your eyes on the treasures of this earth. All you'll end up with is an empty, formless, and dark life. Think about the good things. You talk about the peace that passeth all understanding. There's many people out there in the world that would love to have peace. Would love to lay their head down and say, you know, they're at peace and sleep and all those good things happen. A lot of times sin causes us to lose that peace. Now, there are probably some people out there that are living a very sinful life, are content and happy. They're not going to be someday if they don't repent and change. But think about it what are we focusing on if you lose those things? If you're focused on the possessions that you have. And that's all you can see. And you lose that. How much peace are you going to have? But I think that we've all known people that had hardly anything. They were poor. But yet they had the peace. Why? Because they had the Gospel. As I said earlier, you know, think about it. Sometimes as parents, we want our children to be successful, you know, have a good paying job, have everything going great, you know, be popular... And that happens with some. And I've known of even church members that have pushed their children to try to make them successful in all of those areas that we're talking about. But they didn't really care about their soul in the relationship with God. And I said I would rather have my children be poor and be in a right relationship with God, be saved, than to have everything of this world and be lost. And the same is true for me. I would rather be poor and have a home in heaven than to be lost and have everything. Jesus asked the question, what does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? And many people have exchanged their soul, traded it away for a little bit of punch. Think about our lives. What is your eyes focused on? If you only see the darkness, then your soul is going to be dark. But if you see the good that God wants us to concentrate on and think about, focus on, then our light is going to be bright. You see, your eyes will become darkened because that's what they're focused on. This dark world. But if you keep your eyes on God and His treasures, you'll receive light and hope and your body will be filled with light. If you focus on the things of this earth and suddenly lose your earthly treasures, then you can feel as if you've lost all reasons for living. There was a man. He called on a preacher. The preacher went to see him. And the man had suffered a terrible financial loss. As they sat and they were talking, the man said to the preacher, Everything's gone. And the preacher looked at him and he said, "Well, I'm sorry to hear that your wife died." The guy looked at him kind of strange. He said, "And I'm sorry that you've lost your reputation." And he continued to go down a list of other things. And the man looked at him like, "What are you talking about?" And then finally he said, "I didn't lose my wife. What are you talking about? I didn't lose those things." He said, well, you said you lost everything, that everything was gone. And that's the way we are sometimes. We lose something that we think is so precious, but we forget all the other blessings that we have. That's why we need to focus on God and what He's done for us. He has the power to fill our world with life and shape it And fill it with light. In Genesis chapter 1, we hear God speak, and the entire planet snaps to attention. God says, Let there be light, and there's light. He says, He speaks, and the earth moves, and life comes forth out of that earth that He created. Plants begin to grow, planets spin where they're supposed to in their orbits. And all these great things happen. And the world. As you read through, you can just see the expectations of what's going to happen. What's next? But not long after that creation, the devil shows up. And God had given instructions to Adam, told him what he needed to do in the garden. And the devil shows up and tempts Eve, and she gives in to that temptation. And God is rejected. You say, well, that was just for a moment. For one moment, God was rejected. And by rejecting God and not obeying what He said, what happened? They were separated from God and they hid themselves from God. And you say, one sin won't affect you? Look at their one sin. One sin has an impact on all of us. And we need to understand that. They no longer desired His will in their lives. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted God, they didn't want God in control of their lives. They wanted to be in control of their lives. Now, I want to say, I'm thankful that God gives us a choice. That He didn't just wind us up and make us robots and say, This is what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. He gave all of us a choice. We have a choice of doing what He wants us to do or we can reject it. But what happens when we reject God? What happens when God is not the focus of our lives, is not the center of our universe, our lives? We remove Him from His throne and we put ourselves in its place. Look at Romans chapter 1. And as I read this, you tell me, does that remind you of anything today? Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, "...because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful." I want to stop right there. "...because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God." Now... As I said, it takes more faith, I think, to believe in evolution and the Big Bang theories and all these other theories that are out there. I think it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that there was a Creator, that Creator was God, and that He designed it and created it, spoke it into existence. And I would imagine that most people that are out there in the world believe that there is something that created this, that it didn't just happen out of nothing. I would believe that the majority of people that, that disavow God, to say that He does not exist, still believe that there's something that made all of this happen. And so when people say there, there might be something, but yet they're not willing to listen, what are they doing? Are they not doing what it says there in Romans? Because they knew God. In this particular case, it sounds like they knew who God was. They knew God, and they glorified Him not as God. They didn't put Him in the right place. And that's what happens. People say, well, maybe there's a Creator, maybe there's a Designer, maybe there's this or that or whatever. But do they put God in the right place? And then notice what it says, neither were they thankful. Why is that so important? You would think that it would be enough because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Why not just leave it at that? Because the Holy Spirit, who is inspiring Paul to write these words, wants us to realize that thankfulness is something that is very important in our lives. Because when we're not thankful, it's very easy to start thinking that I've accomplished it all by myself. I don't need God. I don't need a God. I don't need Him on His throne. I don't need Him to control my life. But when I'm thankful, I'm realizing it isn't all me. It isn't all about me. That God has blessed me. And so let's read on. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You think that describes people today in our society? People that think they know everything. There's no God. There's no. no there's. There's nothing after this. We're wasting our time even being here. They become foolish. Verse twenty-three and changed the glory of the incorruptible God. Into an image made like to a corruptible man, into birds and four footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. What are they doing? They didn't put God in his rightful place, he wasn't the center of their lives. Now, what have they done? God, we don't need You. We'll put You over here. But I need something here to control my life. So what am I going to do? My own lust, I'm going to put in that position. When God's not the center of your world, the center of your life, something else will be. And in this particular case that we're looking at, it was their own lust. Doing what they wanted to do. It goes on. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Do people today worship the creation? Do they think more highly of the creation than they do the Creator? When people move God out of His throne room, do they move in. And we see that today. I hear people say, you know, this book changes. It needs to change. It needs to be updated. You know, our society is different. Does that passage sound like it's any different? 2,000 years ago, still sounds the same to me, doesn't it? And yet, the nicest people can attempt to broke God off in a special section in their own lives. You see, not everybody's just total evil darkness out there. Sometimes we as Christians can be guilty of the same thing. Where we don't want God in certain parts of our lives. Oh, we want Him in a little bit of it. We may want Him in a lot of it. But how many of us have Him roped off in certain areas of our lives? In other words, we may want Him in our family. I've known of people that wanted God in their family when their children were growing up because they needed God's help to try to keep them on a straight and narrow path. But then after their children were up, they stopped coming to church themselves. They didn't need God anymore. And I've known people that, well, I'm a Christian, but at work, that's a little different. I'm going to be me. And so we wrote God off in that area. It's easy to do. God isn't the focus of our lives. We put Him there somewhere, but He's kind of like cobbled in on the side of our life. And as a result, God is more their guest or our guest as opposed to being the owner. You know we've been bought with the blood of Christ? That means that we belong. We, we're, he owns us. A lot of people don't want God in the center of their lives. They've kind of got Him scotch-taped in. Use Him when they need Him. It's sort of like an insurance policy. You just carry it and use it only when you need it. That's what we do with God. Something bad happens, I'm going to have surgery, I need help, I need something. Well, I need God. But then when everything gets going good, we drop God like a hot potato. The reality of the matter is this that God needs and must be first in our lives if we want His blessing in ours. Because God is all knowing and we are not. If he is not on the throne, we tend to make our decisions based on what we think is right rather than what God knows is right. I read an interesting story about a man. Well, it's about a boy, and I'm sure that we've all can relate to this who had learned to drive. He was in the family van and there was a snow, big, lot of snow. And he and his, the family friend were in the van and they got stuck in a snowdrift. And the family friend went to the house or was going to the house to get a shovel, but the boy thought that he could solve the problem himself. He'd seen others rock their vehicles in and out of a snowbank, and I'm sure most of us in here uh, have tried that from time to time. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But in this particular case, the boy had seen other people do it, so he was going to try it himself. and so he put the car or the van in forward and then reverse and then forward and then reverse and forward and reverse and repeatedly did that. and it did not accomplish anything except, as some of us would know, he ruined his transmission. It wasn't his transmission. It was the family's vehicle. He managed to destroy the vehicle's transmission. He hadn't meant to destroy that transmission. But because he was acting upon his ill-informed belief, he did extensive damage to that vehicle. That's what happens with us. That's what happens to mankind when we place God as a servant rather than the guide and owner and God in our life. We do damage to ourselves. We hurt ourselves. may not be intention. That wasn't our plan. But that's what we do. There's a man who had a dream. He saw Jesus standing outside the door of his home. Jesus was knocking on the door and the man opened it up for Him. And Jesus asked if He could come in. Almost immediately, Jesus, as He went into the house, He saw that there was another closed door in the house, and so He went and He started knocking on that door. Well, the man didn't really want Him to go into that room of the house, but He finally opened the door so Jesus could go through. And then Jesus goes into the room and He immediately walks to the closet and He starts knocking on the closet door. Now the man really doesn't want him to open the closet door, but he opens the door. But he wakes up from his dream. And he realizes that he had closed God out of certain parts of his life. And I said as as I said earlier, that's what we do. It's not intentional. But do we want people at work to know that we're a Christian? That we have a higher standard? God's standard that we live by? Do we want our neighbors to know that? Do we want our friends that we associate with? The people that we go to school with? Do we want them to realize and know that we have a different standard? So no, sometimes we like we allow God into our life on Sunday, but as we go about our daily lives, there's areas we don't want Him to see we want Him to see what we do? How we conduct our lives? What entertains us? What we say? Or do we rope Him off? Close the door so He can't get in. God is all-knowing. God knows what we do. And we need to understand that we cannot close God out. And so don't close the door on God because God loves us. He loves you. Your life must be centered on him just like we like it was in the beginning of Genesis, that it revolves around God. And that's the question. Does your life revolve around God? Is he the center? Is he the focus? Is he what sustains you? Is he the one that you want to please in your everyday life? Is it in his kingdom? Is it in his in his heaven? that you're laying up your treasures? Do you trust God with your heart and your soul? If not, I would encourage you to make changes in your life. If you're not a Christian to become one, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. You can do that today. But if you are a Christian, you need to realize how important it is to have Jesus, to have God, to have the Spirit in your life God's Word is what dwells in us. We do that by studying His Word and placing it in our heart. Using it in our everyday life. That's how the Spirit guides us. The Bible teaches us that it can be in us. God's in us. Christ is in us. But they're only there if we allow them to be there. And so I want to encourage you today to open your heart and your life to Him. and Let Him guide you. And never forget that He's in control. This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can do so while together we stand and sing.